It's finally 2021, and to celebrate, we're offering a New Year's special. Annual memberships are now available at patreon.com slash CFBWinningEdge. By joining us as an annual member, you will save 16%, which is like getting two months for free. We're also offering Tier 2 access to Tier 1 annual members. Help support this podcast, keep it ad-free, and help us fund 2021 updates, improvements, and new projects by becoming an annual member at patreon.com slash CFBWinningEdge. Welcome in, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter machine at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, C-R-I-C-H-G, to follow him on the Twitter machine. Thanks a lot, Xavier, by the way, for uh, I wake up today and there's a tweet from him. Uh, with from the senior bowl of Oklahoma cornerback uh, Brown picking off Ellinger, of course. So great way to start my day. Appreciate love you, Xavier, as always. Thank you so much. Uh, but this is a new format we're trying. We're going to go to two shows a week uh, moving forward here. I like the way that this is set up. And Nick, I will uh, pass it off to you to kind of explain how we're doing this. Yeah, if, if you uh, missed the discussion last week about why we decided to, to opt for uh, two shows at this point, we're going to try and do the most of our uh, news and reaction uh, on Tuesdays. We'll record on Tuesdays and that'll be available for most uh, folks by Wednesday morning, if not before. But, you know, our, our normal transfer discussion, coaching moves, all that sort of stuff, uh, we'll try to hit on uh, our first show each week. We'll try to keep it under an hour. I'll do my best. Uh, to be brief, I, I know I can sometimes uh, or often run run long. I, I get going, but uh, these guys are going to try to keep me keep me in line and, and keep things moving. <laughs> we'll try to keep things uh, quick on Tuesdays, and then we'll usually have a, a second portion of the show, at least for the first part in the early off season. It'll focus kind of a position by position, players on the move. So uh, quarterbacks will be the talk today, but we'll have. Uh, you know, a, a lot of relatively high profile guys are in the transfer portal, have gone into the transfer portal and found new uh, spots. And then, of course, you know, NFL draft declarations are underway with underclassmen having already declared and seniors having until March 1st to make a final decision as to whether or not they will accept the NCAA's extra year of eligibility. So a uh, lot to discuss today with quarterbacks. We'll try to uh, move quickly through the the news, uh, but felt it was you know uh, the best place to start because uh, there certainly are some well known names uh, on the move and and will have a big impact. I know on our early season numbers and a lot of people's uh, preseason thoughts and projections and predictions as we're uh, kind of getting lined up and and have already turned the calendar to 2021. Time to time to look ahead and and get things. Uh, moving toward next season. So we're excited about this on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, uh, we'll be looking back a little bit, doing a review of the 2020 season for all 130 FBS teams. We're going to start with 10 uh, at a time, do the bottom 10 tomorrow, Wednesday, and that'll be available for everyone on Thursday. Uh, recap you know, some of the stats, some of the uh, numbers on our end, and, and a very, very quick look ahead, uh, maybe if there's some incoming transfers, coaching news, things of that nature. So uh, we're excited about it. I think it'll be good to compartmentalize sort of the two shows, and, and uh, it'll be uh, hopefully a, a chance to dig in deeper on some of these topics by going uh, hopefully a little bit shorter in each episode, but two uh, episodes per week, I think will, will give us a you know great opportunity to explore things uh, to the best of our abilities. We'll try our best. And we're going to pick up right where we left off last week, because right as we were ending, we saw that Henry Toyota was transferring out of Tennessee and a lot of guys have moved on uh, since then. And um, uh, he was quickly followed by uh, Jameer Johnson, the offensive lineman, linebacker, Quervius Crouch, and uh, running back Eric Gray, defensive back 
uh, Key Lawrence announced he's going to transfer to Oklahoma uh, following uh, the former five-star offensive lineman uh, Wanya Morris to the Sooners. So 13 players um, with starting experience have now left the Vols for the transfer portal since the end of the season, Nick. It is, uh, it's getting ugly. Kevin Steele still the coach there. Uh, there, there's, they've had some interviews and stuff, but, uh, it is, um, it, it's looking ugly in Tennessee right now. Yeah, it's, it's strange. And, and a lot has changed since we hit the stop button last week. They've hired Danny White, former UCF athletic director, uh, to now hire the new coach. And, and he has a, a strong history of, of making hires there at UCF, not only as, uh, you know, football coaches, he hired both Scott Frost and, um, oh gosh, he just uh, left my mind. Josh Heupel, uh, Heupel yeah. Uh, yeah, with with the Knights there, and and also uh, made some good decisions. It sounds like based on what I've read, I don't really follow much, but uh, basketball hires as well, and and kind of does uh, you know thinks a little outside the box, and so there is some thought that Tennessee, you know, all these early lists come out of oh, this makes perfect sense. Last week I talked about, I thought Gus Malzahn was the best uh, available candidate. You know, Jamie Chadwell looks great on paper coming off a great year at Coastal Carolina, but you know, don't be surprised assuming that they don't just uh, keep Kevin Steele in that interim role. Don't be surprised if, if, you know, Danny White picks a name that nobody has put in print or, or, you know, somebody much, much lower on those sort of lists than we expected. But uh, beyond that, you know, whoever whoever is going to be the head coach of the Vols in 2021 has got a lot of work ahead of them. I mean, these are some highly talented players going into the transfer portal. Uh, uh, Henry Tiototo and Eric Gray, honestly, are, are two of my favorite players to watch in college football. I mean, I was extremely, extremely impressed with Gray uh, as a runner. And then, you know, Tioto is just all over the field. Uh, so, you know, those guys, if they do, in fact, end up leaving Knoxville are going to have a big impact, I think. And, and then, you know, we've already seen some big name guys land at Oklahoma, which, uh, some, you know, these are going to be highly sought after players, big time programs, conference title contenders, playoff contenders, uh, are going to be in the mix to, to sign these guys. And then that of course takes away from what, you know, Tennessee has to offer a lot. We said last week, I think that, that everything, you know, seems to be in place, though it's it's certainly uh, in a bit of a, a, a rough state right this minute at Tennessee. But the talent is there, and, and all of that, and, and you know, the, the obviously the fan base is there, the the desire, and they put money into the program. But you know, kind of have to to reevaluate what we said about talent last week because just in the last you know six seven days, they've lost a ton of. Uh, quality players. And, and so it will be certainly interesting to see how it all shakes out. If all of those guys do end up leaving, there is certainly an opportunity uh, you would think for those guys to come back if they choose to. Uh, but yeah, so much has changed since we uh, stopped recording last week at Tennessee. And, and it, I feel much different at this point about the chances of success for Tennessee and in, in 2021 specifically, but even long-term. I mean, these, these, players that are uh, in the transfer portal now and, and the ones who've already signed with new pro or committed to new programs leaves a big hole for, for the new uh, coaching staff, whatever it ends up being in 2021. Yeah. A couple rumors floating around. This is uh, for whatever reason, I thought it had happened, but Tony Elliott has been uh, floated at, as the, uh, at least someone has said that he has been offered the job and he's deciding on what he wants to do. I know NFL teams have uh, interest in Tony Elliott as well. The OC at Clemson obviously was a huge factor in the loss uh, to Ohio State. You know, the first couple scripted drives were great and then he didn't play and and uh, wasn't great. But what do you think about the situation at, uh, at Tennessee's, Javier? I know you're not crying tears for any Tennessee uh, uh, any Tennessee misgivings here. I mean, good old Rocky Top, right? Um, Nick hit it right on the head, but he said something that I don't agree with. He said that there's a possibility Danny White could hire somebody that we don't know about. I don't think that's possible, but the amount of people that have been linked to possibly getting this job. You named it already. You said Tony Elliott. PJ Fleck has been thrown around for this job. 
Um, Sonny Dykes at SMU has been thrown around for this job as well. I don't think it's a possibility that there is anybody that could possibly be unnamed from this unless, you know, Philip Fulmer decides to come out of retirement to all of a sudden coach the Vols. And then I think we'd all be surprised. But <laughs> I, I, I think at this point, they've got to they've got to hire somebody soon. Damage control is the word that needs to be used right now because if they don't find the head coach at this point, I think Nick is right though. I think I, I think it might just be Kevin Steele for this year, and it might be Kevin Steele yeah. until the sanctions are over. You know yeah, he might mean? be the caretaker. And personally, I don't mind that he's got SEC pedigree. He's been in the conference for a very long time. He's had success in the conference with his defense, um, or at Auburn. So I would like that move for them. I just don't think it's splashy enough for uh, Tennessee, though. This is a team, like we talked about last week, that likes a splashy big name to go after. Um, and I think that that's why they are pushing so hard to get Elliott, because it would be another splash hire for Tennessee. I said last week that I think they should go with a guy with pedigree and and maybe not so splashy. But, hey, Tennessee doesn't listen to conservative uh, to, uh, common sense. If they were, they wouldn't be in this situation, and Greg Shadow would be their head coach. But I digress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, lot, lots uh, swirling, and you know, of course, we'll pick up. There'll be probably more transfers and more moves by next week, so we will uh, stay on top of this Tennessee story. Nebraska also having some transfer issues. Uh, Wandale Robinson left for Kentucky last week, and then former starting offensive lineman Bo Wilson transferred to Western Kentucky. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, uh, the the quarterback, offensive lineman Matt uh, Farinoke, and Cade Warner are all leaving as well. McCaffrey started two games at quarterback. And though there was a little bit of speculation that he was going to change positions, he can go somewhere and be a quarterback. Uh, Adrian Martinez is now the only quarterback on the roster to take a snap. And that makes seven Huskers that have entered the transfer portal since the end of the season and at least three starters off to the NFL. So they're going to have, you know, uh, 10 guys to replace uh, for this team next year. And, you know, Scott Frost, who, uh, like you wrote on our sheet here, Nick, look like a slam dunk hire. I mean, you know, uh, Nebraska legend and all that stuff. It's looking pretty dicey now. So he better, uh, he better deal with less weapons this year too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, my, my, I've said this in recent shows, my, uh, willingness to go out and call a hire, you know, an absolute slam dunk or, uh, oh, that's such a bad hire immediately is, has gotten, I, I'm, I'm much more tentative now than I used to be. And I, I feel like I've, for the most part, been relatively uh, kind of a, a wait and see kind of guy. But, you know, I, I thought absolutely. I mean, Scott Frost, who could, who could, draw up a more perfect scenario coming off such a great run at UCF. He's a, a local guy, uh, you know, played there and, and was part of the uh, heyday for that program and, and seemed like the perfect guy to, to bring him back to prominence and, and, you know, pretty quickly. And, and it just hasn't worked out. I've, I've felt optimistic about Nebraska going into each off season, under Frost. I really liked what he did at UCF. I was very impressed uh, when he was the offensive coordinator at Oregon, uh, but it just, you know, hasn't, hasn't been able to get going. He, he really relied heavily in the first couple of recruiting classes on uh, bringing players from Florida to Nebraska. Uh, a lot of four-star uh, Florida signees have since entered the transfer portal, have left, uh, going back and, and you know, uh, joined programs such as FAU and, and uh, you know, USF, I believe. And, and so uh, it's it's been uh, just a, a bumpy few years. And obviously the, uh, you know, the wins haven't been there. And it sounds like from, from you know, the whispers that uh, I've heard and, and just other, you know, social media interactions, it sounds like the fan base is, is finally getting a little tired of Scott Frost. And, and I think he'd been hesitant to part ways with uh, maybe some assistant coaches that have been with him at, at multiple stops. And that seems to be a little bit of a concern among some in the fan base did have a new offensive coordinator uh, last year, but obviously, you know, have still had some issues uh, getting players, uh, you know, to perform on the field. And, and Adrian Martinez, we've talked a lot, you and I, Scott, certainly from a CFF standpoint that he's got uh, the tools to be, 
you know, potentially put up Heisman type numbers. I remember we, we had that discussion a couple of times last off season and, you know, he's, he's had every opportunity, you know, he, he has, and he's had some playmakers. Wondell Robinson, one of my favorite players in college football. He, he reminds me a lot of, you know, he's been compared to Rondell Moore a lot in the past uh, and, you know, just hasn't quite filled that potential. He's got a, you know, a Kendarius Tony type skill set, and maybe uh, a change of scenery will help him unleash that ability, but it just couldn't quite, you know, get it all to, to click there at Nebraska. They've got uh, two former starters on the offensive line uh, have have uh, entered the transfer portal and moving on. The offense is going to have a lot of new faces in 2021. You know, Adrian Martinez has that potential. He showed uh, a, a lot of, you know, running ability this year, uh, but just hasn't quite progressed as a passer and, and just hasn't been able really to, to lock down that starting job. McCaffrey was challenging each and every week last year. And, and this, you know, in theory helps clear the, the way for uh, Martinez to, to be the unquestioned starter, but he just hasn't been consistent enough to make you think that he's going to be able to, you know, to really uh, become that guy. I mean, I, I thought we would see it, you know, last year injuries were a little bit of an issue the last couple of years and, and it just hasn't quite worked out so uh it's it's an odd it's an odd scenario because it it makes perfect sense on paper they've got you know talented guys for for frost to work with he's got an offensive background that's you know can compare it to to some of the best play callers in college football but uh just haven't been able to get going and, and with so many moving parts especially offensively uh, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit concerned. I, I've been slow to abandon, you know, we, we've talked about Jim Harbaugh, for example. I've been slow to, to uh, completely jump ship on Harbaugh at Michigan. I feel the same way about Nebraska. I've been holding on to Scott Frost thinking, okay, this is a, you know, a top 25 type head coach. Uh, he's had all this success as a play caller. Nebraska's got talent to work with. The Big Ten West is wide open. But I, I feel like I'm finally – close to to giving up on Nebraska as yeah. well. I, I'm not quite there. I think both of you guys are there. Uh but but uh man, I mean it's it, it's concerning knowing the the number of guys who are in the transfer portal, the the you know pulse of the fan base seeming uh to kind of turn on frost at least a bit, at least portions of it, vocal portions of it. Uh so I don't know. It, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I would I thought coming into to 2021 that Nebraska uh, would be kind of in that that top second tier in the Big Ten West. Iowa and Wisconsin seem to be the front runners. Uh, Minnesota in the mix. Northwestern probably in the mix again. Thought Nebraska would be in that group. Now, uh, you know, have to think that maybe they're in the, the uh, bottom half uh, of that division. You know, chance to move up for sure, but, you know, not a great starting point. Yeah, Nebraska is probably the best place to succeed, uh, but also probably the worst place to fail because there's nothing else. You know, there's not a pro team there. You know, that they're good at other sports occasionally, but football is the main draw in Nebraska's aviary. So if you don't succeed in football, you're going to get run out of town, even if you have a long storied history with this team like Scott Frost does. Uh, it, it just, it's not looking good right now. How long is the leash on frost? Is this it for him? This is the last year he gets gotta be right. I mean, yeah. you, you look at it and you know, we talk about Michigan we talk about Harbaugh a lot and how he might be on a short leash because it's Michigan. Well, Nebraska has that same kind of, you know, maybe not lineage. as much success, but yeah, same kind of lineage, same, kind, you know, Tom Osborne and company. And, you know, they, they, they carry a lot of weight at Nebraska. And, and Scott, you hit it right on the head. This is a university that has, a, you know, that, that there's nothing else in Nebraska to cheer up for except for the Cornhuskers. And so if you don't win there, your leash gets less and less and less. And, you know, personally, I think Adrian Martinez should transfer. I mean, you look at every year. I think, you know, the last two years we've done this podcast, we've looked coming into the year as A.J. Martinez being a dark horse Heisman candidate, and he's got nowhere close. Like, yeah. he hasn't even scratched the, the, the you know, the top 20 in the Heisman, let alone, you know, top five or 10. And so if you're him, as much talent as he has, there's got to be a school that can do something better with that talent, you know. Uh, 
but I mean, you look at Scott Frost and you really got to see wh- where, where does he go from here? You know, Scott, you hit it around the head. He's going to have to win with less talent than he's ever had at, at Nebraska going into next year. And, you know, in a, in a COVID season, you kind of give him a kind of a break, maybe a little bit, but sure. You know, when you lose to teams like Illinois by 20, that doesn't matter if it's a COVID season, you know, if a meteor was hur- hurling towards earth, it doesn't matter at that point. It's Illinois. You don't lose to Illinois when you're at Nebraska. And so Scott Frost is really on a short leash. Next year's it. And if he doesn't get it done next year, you know, the only difference between him and Harbaugh is Harbaugh has winning seasons. You know, Harbaugh has a couple of right. seasons built up. Maybe he they're not beat Ohio State. Right. They're not to Michigan standards and they're not competing for a national championship, but they're not scrubs. Nebraska went three and five last year. If I'm not mistaken, the year before that, they were sub 500 as well. His leash has got to be really, really small. Uh, and the the amount of, you know, highlight clips from when he was as a player, they're getting old and they're getting dated at this point. And fans are going to be calling for his head if he has another bad season. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Scott Frost getting long in the tooth in Nebraska. He's going to have to uh, going to have to make it happen this year. Uh, lots of coordinators moving around here, including my Texas Longhorns hiring former Washington, D.C. Pete Kwiatkowski. I uh, ranks number four on the CFP winning edge D.C. ratings among all FBS play callers from the 2020 season. So that is a great hire for my Longhorns. LSU has finally got their replacement for Bo Pelini. Uh, they went with Vikings defensive back coach uh, Durante Jones as their new defensive coordinator. Uh, the Tigers have uh, – they had heavily targeted Cincinnati D.C. Marcus Freeman, but he went to Notre Dame instead. And later Saints defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen, who got the assistant head coach job in New Orleans. So uh, swinging a miss on those guys, but they got uh, Jones there. Oregon hired former Cal defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder. Uh, DeRuder was a top 25 DC in the CFP winning edge uh, rankings before Cal and a play calling duties to Peter Sermon in 2020. Missouri has hired Steve Wilkes as its new defensive coordinator. Wilkes is the third former NFL head coach who uh, has hired to be a coordinator in the SEC in 2021 with the other two going to uh, Alabama in Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone. And then Louisville OC Dwayne Ledford joined the Atlanta Falcon staff, though uh, head coach Scott Satter- uh, Satterfeld calls the plays. Bedford is well-respected. It's a well-respected O-line coach with a bright future. So uh, your thoughts on any of those ones, Nick? Yeah, I mean, some some big-time defensive coordinators on the move. And, and Kwiatkowski, who had relinquished play-calling duties at Washington when uh, Jimmy Lake was uh, promoted to uh, really kind of keep him on staff under Chris Peterson, and, and then, of course, Lake uh, was able to, to take over as head coach last year when Peterson uh, retired, and, and Kwiatkowski uh, got, you know, took over that role again, but he had always been a, a really, really successful defensive coordinator, and, and I think also, uh, you know, to, to have the you know, to be humble enough to, to, you know, not have an ego and, and give Jimmy Lake that role when, when it was decided that, you know, they, they needed to do that to keep him from taking other jobs. Uh, that, that to me shows me something, not only is he, he's, uh, you know, highly successful, skilled at this role, but also, uh, you know, humble and, and uh, somebody that's willing to put ego aside when necessary. That Texas staff is, is really excellent on paper so far. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, can, can get going there at, at Texas right away. There's a lot of reason, I think, for folks to be optimistic there. And, and I know we say that every time there's a, a coaching change and, and there have been a few recently. Uh, but Scott, I, I think I'm, uh, I, I think I'm, you know, getting a little bit excited about what Texas is doing there. And, and uh, was, if, if memory serves. To over, overtake your Oklahoma uh excitement yeah. you know i don't know i will we'll see we'll see but no uh, i did write uh, a, a thing about the uh, big 12 uh players that uh, you know are most important who will be most missed in, in 2021 that list of texas players is pretty long and and you know sam allinger i think was the obvious choice uh, at texas but joseph osai was a consensus yeah. all american samuel cosby was uh, you know, is also going to be an early round draft pick was uh, the only one of only two unanimous first team all big 12 selections. So, you know, there, you know, King Stearns is a, a max hundred rated player in our uh, rating. So there, there's a lot to overcome, but there's some reason to believe that, that they'll be 
uh, well coached, if you know, if nothing else. And we talk all the time about how talented they are. So we'll see. But uh, I, I think Oklahoma still has the has the early edge. You know, LSU. To be honest, I don't. I, we've talked before. I don't follow the NFL nearly as well as as you guys do. Uh, so I don't know very much about Durante Jones yet. And this is a relatively uh, new hire just in the last couple of days. So I haven't quite uh, had an opportunity to dive into the numbers and, and get his uh, defensive coordinator rating uh, up to speed, you know, quite yet. But, you know, LSU's had success going to the NFL in the past. And so we'll see. He obviously was uh, at least the third guy down on the wish list. So uh, that's not always, uh, you know, a, the very best sign, but it, it certainly doesn't mean that it's destined to fail either. So uh, that's a little bit of a wait and see, but, you know, they needed to make a change. Obviously, Bopolini just didn't work out. And, uh, you know, Ed O'Dron, uh, at least after uh, Marcus Freeman, you know, decided to go to Notre Dame, seemed that, that getting NFL experience, recent NFL experience was the priority. So uh, we'll certainly see how it how it works out. And then, yeah, I mean, the SEC NFL head coaches are, are calling plays in the SEC. That's uh, the what Alabama's done is, is pretty remarkable. But, you know, uh, Steve Wilkes was head coach of the Cardinals, what, two, three years ago? And yeah. uh, now the, the coordinator at, at uh, Mizzou is is just kind of wild to think about that as a, a coaching progression. But you have to think that, you know, somebody who's respected enough to uh, become an NFL head coach just a few years ago, to be able to, to uh, bring that guy to your staff as a defensive coordinator, I mean, seems to me to be a, a really good hire. I know uh, losing the, the coordinator there that, that they did to Illinois came as a surprise to a lot of folks, but, uh, you know, and was really, really well regarded uh, there in, uh, in in Columbia, Ryan Walters. But, yeah, I mean, you know, when you can, can get a guy who is uh, the head of an NFL franchise just a few years ago to, to call your defense, you know, have to feel pretty – pretty optimistic about that as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, what do you think about these moves here, Xavier? I love the Kwiatkowski uh, selection. I, I think this is a guy, I love that more teams are looking for DCs and spots where more casual fans may not understand it. You know, a lot of people think, oh, the Pac-12, they don't play defense. That's a misnomer. That's a heavy misnomer, especially with these two guys that they've hired. Washington has been a pretty good defensive team for a couple of years now, um, especially up front. We, we, we know some of the guys that they put out, Vita Vea, Kevin King is another one that comes to mind, Buda Baker is another one that have come all through Washington and have, pretty, have had pretty good NFL careers up until this point. Uh, the same thing goes for the Cal defense coordinator. I love that move. Cal, Cal's defense has been really good. Uh, over the last two over the last two years, three years, and their offense has just been abysmal. You know, if Kyle's offense matched their defense, they they might have been a team that could compete in the Pac-12. That's how good their defense has been, especially with getting to the quarterback. They've been one of the top teams in the Pac-12 and getting sacks over the last couple of years, which has pretty much kept them in games for the most part. So I love both of these decisions. The Durante Jones hire is a little weird, and I say, and, I, and and the reason why this is, it makes sense for maybe what LSU was looking for. We we talked so much last year how LSU was struggling on the back end. Well, Durante Jones was a cornerback, was a defensive back coach for the Dolphins, the Bengals, and the Vikings. The only bad thing, and the only weird thing about both, all of these situations is that neither one of those secondaries were great while he was the defensive backs coach. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Dolphins' secondary wasn't great when he was there. Cincinnati's secondary wasn't great when he was there. And Minnesota since, uh, Minnesota's uh, secondary last year wasn't great either. So I don't know if that will, you know, if he'll be able to change that when he gets to the, NF, uh, to the NCAA. Uh, I will say, the funny enough, every time he left the team, their secondaries got better the following year. So I don't know if that's indicative of maybe what he coached up and now, you know, he just wasn't able to see the fruits of his labors because he was only there for two years at a time or if it was actually the coaching change that made them better. Uh, so the, yeah, the Durante, big thing for him in the NFL was coaching up Rashad Jones yeah. with the Dolphins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with or, um, what was I say? Oh, with a Steve Wilkes hire. Love that. This guy has the pedigree of all coaches. I mean, he, he's coached everywhere and anywhere from Savannah State to the Arizona Cardinals. He was a DB coach. I, I mean, I just looked at his Wikipedia page. He was a DB coach literally everywhere. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Every year it looked like he changed from a DB coach to a defensive coordinator no matter where he was. Uh, and so I like this hire from Missouri. I think that he'll come right in and, and fit well. Once again, I think that when you get an NFL guy, the only thing that they have to learn how to do is to cater to younger guys. 
but their schemes and their fits still work. They have to cater to younger guys just simply because you're not dealing with a bunch of 33-year-olds anymore. Now you're dealing with 18-year-olds. So that's a bit of an adjustment. Um, but if he can adjust to that and having to maybe, you know, babysit a little bit more than he has to do in the league, then I think it'll be a good hire for him. And and hopefully Missouri does take a step defensively because offensively last year they were pretty dang good. Yeah, it's uh, uh, going to be interesting. We have some openings as well. Penn State fired OC uh, Kirk Siracoca. I don't know. Did, did I was I even close? Uh, you're muted, Nick. Sorry. Uh, what? I believe it's Siroca. Siroca. Yeah. My Siroca. Um, and they, they hired former uh, Texas OC Mike Yurich. Uh, that, that's a pretty decent hire there. Colorado fired defensive coordinator Tyson Summers on January 12th. And that job is still open. That was kind of uh, surprising. SMU DC Kevin Kane left for a job at Illinois to coach linebackers, uh, 85th uh, in the CFP winning ed, uh, the DC rating, but considered a riser. Uh, Dana Holgerson parted ways with DC uh, Joe Kathun on January 19th, and his uh, Holgerson son also entered the transfer portal. So that's kind of different. Uh, we'll see there. Uh, Vanderbilt lowered Colorado State OC Joey Lynch to Nashville as its new QB coach. So that is becoming an interesting uh, staff at Vandy. And South Carolina made a big hire by luring Taylor Edwards away from Maryland. And Maryland has gotten some uh, big names, Rakeem Jarrett uh, being the top of mind. Uh, to go to uh, you know, Maryland. So now South Carolina uh, has him in there. So uh, then the Senior Bowl held weigh-ins today. Uh, Devontae Smith refused to be weighed, which I think on his end is smart. But uh, we got a lot of heights and weights and hand size and all that good stuff for the Senior Bowl in there. And very, very interesting, Coastal Carolina uh, is going to be the first team to hold uh, a spring practice Wednesday. Uh, on February 18th. So that is going to be, uh, you know, just surprising to see it uh, get going that quick already. So, uh, Nick, your thoughts on any of these moves now here? Well, that actually, they, they're opening uh, spring practice on Wednesday. The spring game is going to be February 18th. So, spring. That's- <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. so, so they are. Are they playing they in that spring season with the FCS teams, or what's happening? Like, they might be. <laughs> you know. Well, so it's it's interesting, and I haven't I haven't gone back and and really dissected the numbers. I did put together a list for our patrons last year of all the FBS teams and how many spring practices they were able to get in before. Uh, you know, COVID canceled everything, uh, shut everything down last spring, and Coastal Carolina, I believe, was one of two. FBS teams that got all their spring practices in. So, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say, Oh, that's why coastal Carolina took such a big jump in uh, 2020. I mean, there's certainly some of it. And, and I think Grayson McCall uh, being able to go in and impress enough in spring practice to, to win that job and become the guy heading into to summer. There's certainly is something to that. I, I think they uh, definitely did benefit. Uh, did, you know, did, did they uh, completely, uh, you know, get this huge, huge edge because of that compared to other teams that got, you know, three or four practices. I'm not sure. It, you, we probably can't say specifically, but, you know, hey, it's something. And, and it makes sense for a lot of programs. It's weird to think, okay, you know, I look outside my window and can see snow still on the ground. And it, it's weird for me to think that there are other places in the country where, you know, getting together for a spring practice in uh, late January, early early February makes sense. But, you know, Coastal Carolina, it probably does. Probably not, uh, probably not very much snow in, in uh, Myrtle Beach uh this this week so uh that that's interesting to see good for them to get it out of the way if there are any injuries extra time to uh recover and and you know kind of get get the ball rolling turn the calendar as quickly as possible so that's interesting i'm sure we'll be mentioning a lot of teams as are that are opening up uh spring practices and as we get into spring games we'll have some uh news and notes from from those things so i'm sure we'll we'll uh, talk about a lot of those as well you know, the coordinator moves. It'll be interesting to see once it all slows down. Uh, 
the decision to get rid of Soroka after just one year, he'd come over from Minnesota where he had a lot of success. Obviously Penn state uh, had a dreadful start to their season this year uh, and just wasn't a great fit, but uh, your does seem at least on paper. I mean, you mentioned top 25 uh, in our OC ratings uh, had a lot of success there at, at Texas was in Oklahoma state as well. Uh, so you have to think, and, and, you know, Soroka looked like a great hire on paper last year, but uh, seems that your is, is going to be a, a, a good one as well. But, you know, some of these other uh, slightly lower profile jobs, just kind of interesting to see how, how guys are moving around uh, that, you know, uh, Kane left SMU was, was a play caller there for a position coach at Illinois. That Illinois staff is really interesting. Brett Bielema uh, is, is, you know, picking up some guys that uh, at least observers that, that I've seen seem to be getting excited about Kane being one of those guys. And then Joey Lynch, you know, was a, a play caller at uh, his alma mater at Ball State, moved to Colorado State, didn't get to see him a lot there. They only had a few games. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, you know, him taking a job as, as the quarterback uh, coach at Vanderbilt is an interesting move. I mean, a guy who was an FBS uh, play caller at a couple of spots was hired, you know, not fired from either of those, but hired away. And Vanderbilt, we think of as being, uh, you know, not the traditional SEC uh, program where, you know, like at Alabama, you're getting former NFL head coaches coming in. You don't really think, okay, former FBS uh, play caller to, to, you know, get hired away to be a position coach at Vanderbilt doesn't normally happen, but uh, they're building again, a, an interesting staff, first-time head coach there, Clark Lee, former uh, Notre Dame defensive coordinator. But they're doing some out-of-the-box things and, and uh, seem to be, uh, you know, staffing up in a way that is a little uh, more like other SEC programs that we've seen in the past. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how it all plays out. Uh, and then, you know, finally, the, the bit about South Carolina. I don't know very much about Taylor Edwards, read a, a little bit of a, a brief story on this move, but had noticed that Maryland had been recruiting at a, you know, top 25, top 30 type level. And this year, you know, building on that success with a top 20 class coming into uh, national signing day here in, in, you know, just a week or so. And obviously, you know, something is happening to be able to, to put together those type of classes compared to the, the lack of success that they've had on the field, they're doing something right. I mean, maybe the evaluation, you know, don't know, but but they're they're getting some big-time guys, and they just haven't been able to turn it into wins yet. But South Carolina is going to have to raise its recruiting profile. Will Muschamp recruited well, but they kind of have to, to take it to the next level, I think, to be able to close the gap in the SEC specifically and, and the SEC East, of course. Uh, so interesting hire, and, and a lot of these moves – fly under the radar nationally, but uh, I think it's important to, to, you know, be aware of them and kind of see how that impacts what we eventually see on the field. Yeah. What, what do you think about these moves, Javier? A couple of interesting ones here. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think Nick hit most of them on the head. So three of them I'm going to just point out because I think these are really interesting. Uh, obviously, Logan Hogerson leaving his dad. I think that's hilarious. First and foremost, it's like, bye, dad. I'll see you at Christmas. I think that's hilarious. Uh, you know, I, you know, not to be coached by your dad. I think that's just funny. Uh, EJ Jenkins, this guy had 773 yards and 13 touchdowns in five games. Five games last year. He he's six eight, two thirty five. Can I just get like a couple of inches off your height? Like just give me three, and you can yeah, come yeah, back down please. to six five. That that would be great. I that's ridiculous. And to have that added to uh to to South Carolina, I think that. You know, how who knows how they'll be used, but you can never go wrong with having a guy that big on your team. I don't care what position he plays. He's got to be able to do something at that at that size. And we've certainly seen him turn it into on-field production. So that's a really nice pickup for them. And, and Coastal Carolina, this is a team that last year, once again, like Nick said, did start their spring practice early and was able to get in all of their allotted spring practices. They didn't get their spring game in, I don't think, but they were able to get all their spring practices in. That definitely helps them when it comes to any kind of battles that they're having, whether that's receiver, cornerback, kicker, uh, quarterback, as we know. Regardless, this, it gives them a really good opportunity to do that. I didn't even think about that during the season, that it might have given them a, a leg up on a lot of the competition coming into last year, but maybe it did. You know, Maybe we see a trend where now other teams follow suit. I don't think we will, but 
A, Coastal did impress the entire country with their run last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe see two or three other universities follow suit with an early spring practice like they did to get ahead of maybe any possible cancellations or postponements. So I really like that from them as well. All right. Well, we are going to talk about QBs uh, for the rest of the show here, and uh, it's going to be very, very strange this year because we're going to get, you know, most of the time you have the deadline, which is uh, usually right around Martin Luther King Day, too, uh, for the players to declare for the draft. But because every player has an extra year of eligibility, if they don't sign with an agent, they have until March 1st to decide if they want to come back to the school or not. So some of these guys are, you know, in a little bit of limbo to see if they're actually going to uh, go to the NFL or come back. There's uh, all kinds of transfers with the transfer portal as well. So, Nick, you put out some polls and, um, you know, a lot of guys moving around. I'll just name a couple. Uh, Garrett Schrader going from Mississippi State to Syracuse. Jared Quarantano going from Tennessee to Washington State, another Tennessee transfer. Grant Cannell going from Arizona to Memphis. Uh, Gunnar Cruz going from Washington State to Arizona. Charlie Brewer going from Baylor to Oklahoma. There's lots and lots of moving pieces here. But you put out a couple Twitter polls, and the first one was, uh, which former starting quarterback will have the biggest impact after transferring to a new school? And what I didn't even mention was Hendon Hooker going from Virginia Tech to Tennessee. Uh, mm -hmm. with 43% of the vote, and uh, Jack Cohn got 33% uh, as the runner up there um, going from Wisconsin to Notre Dame. So um, your thoughts on that poll first? Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise, to be honest with you. One, because so much is going on at Tennessee that we just don't know what that offense is going to look like. I mean, is Jim Chaney going to be back as offensive coordinator? I mean, the only scenario that seems likely is if – uh, Kevin Steele gets promoted, you know, at, at full time or, or to a uh, an interim position, and and then you know even then it doesn't necessarily seem like a perfect fit. Uh, Hinden Hooker's, you know, has had his most success as a runner, and I'm sure uh, he certainly you know uh, welcomes the idea of you know throwing more and, and operating in a little bit more of a uh, maybe a pro style offense, but. Uh, Jim Chaney and, and uh, you know, a player of Hendon Hooker's skill set hasn't always been a, a perfect fit in, in the past. And so uh, that was a little bit of a surprise to me. You know, Jack Cohn uh, seems to be heading into the best situation as, as a, you know, going into Notre Dame with, uh, you know, they went undefeated during the regular season, beat Clemson and, and made it to the playoff. It obviously didn't end, you know, perfectly for them, but uh, he's somebody that, that has uh, starting experience, of course. I mean, you know, there are 30 guys who put together a list here for the sheet, 30 guys that were either, you know, full or part-time starters at the FBS level or, you know, are, are moving to a, a position where it, it seems that they are going to likely be the starter next year. So only picked four names in, in that poll, but was a little bit surprised that a Hooker got uh, the most votes and, and by a pretty big margin there that, you know, Cone seems like the, the best on paper. Uh, but yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised that, that Garantano, despite, you know, never really <laughs> holding on to that job at Tennessee, uh, moving to Washington state, a, a you know, position, uh, a, a system that is set up for a lot of, you know, passing yardage and, and uh, he'll have an opportunity to, to throw the football a lot. We'll be going into a, a situation where they had a true freshman starter last year who, you know, seemed like a, a good long-term option, but uh, a lot of Washington State struggles last year can, can probably be attributed to his lack of experience. Some of the decision-making just, just wasn't quite there. I, I watched a great recap uh, this week from – uh, uh, Max Brown, former USC uh, quarterback, who's uh, involved there with with some of the uh, you know media there at, at, at USC, put together has a great YouTube channel and, and you know put together a great uh, recap of of the Washington State game against USC and and highlighted some of the uh, just decision making, slow decision making mistakes that uh, Jared Delora made where somebody you bring in, you know, Jared Garantano, who's got what 30 something career starts at Tennessee, mm -hmm. even if he was always seemingly, uh, you know, about to lose that job has played a lot of football, you know, much, much more than Jared Delora. The longest short leash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that was was highly recruited. He's had some success. Uh, you know, our, our numbers uh, probably have him rated a little higher than he should be. Did knock him down a, a couple of points just based off, you know, his, his lack of uh, consistency there. But that seems like a better fit to me on paper than Hendon Hooker. And, and I think he's got a little bit more uh, just sort of pure talent uh, and the, the, you know, the ability maybe to, to get it done and take the team to the next level than Jack Cohn does. So uh, I, I don't know that he's a clear cut, you know, number one answer to this, but I was a little bit surprised that Garantano didn't get a little bit more love. And I was really kind of surprised that Hooker uh, won the poll outright. Were you surprised that, that Hooker won that one, Xavier? Oh, absolutely. It should have been Jack Cohn, in my opinion. You're going to a team that literally just was in the college football playoff in Jack Cohn. I mean, Yes, I understand that maybe the pressure is what they were voting against, and maybe you know they don't see him going 12-0 next year like Ian Book did this past year. And I get that, and that's fine if that's what you're arguing. But at the same time, who's going to finish with a better record next year at the quarterback position is probably going to be Cone. I'm also shocked that Charlie Brewer didn't get more love in this situation. I think him going to Utah is a really good move for him. I, I think at Utah, he's going to be able to, to – this is a guy who last year led – Baylor to the Sugar Bowl, you know, and was behind, you know, one of the better offenses in the Big 12 a year ago. And I know that Baylor was really bad this year and he struggled as well. But I think going to a Utah team that's going to be primarily supported by the defense, as they have been in the past, and is going to ask him not to do as much and simplify the game for him is a perfect fit for him. I think he goes there, he wins that starting spot. And I think he has Utah. I'm not going to say Utah is going to be going to go back to, you know, being in a Pac 12 championship, but. Eight and four next year is not an insurmountable, you know, idea for me if I'm looking at Utah with him as the quarterback. So I'm even surprised that he only got what 18% of the vote and he finished third in this uh behind Hinden Hooker. I'm just really surprised that Hinden Hooker was even close to the top, let alone the one who won it outright as Nick said. Yeah, it might be, you know, uh the, the way I see it, it might be Hendon Hooker just for the simple fact that he might have to be the entire offense for Tennessee next year. That's fair. The yeah. transfers and a new coaching staff and stuff. You know, if you put a running quarterback back there and let him do some stuff with his legs, uh, he he might be able to make a huge impact. So, but like Nick said, it's Jim Cheney as the coordinator. Yeah, and Harrison Bailey is is going to be back. Got some yeah. experience last year, and they you know seem to really like him. So it, it's there are a lot of situations similar to South Carolina's one. Uh, you know, just brought in an FCS transfer that that is going to be in the mix with a former highly touted uh, true freshman uh, who got some starting experience. And and you know, who's to say that the transfer is going to win this job or, or the younger guy can't beat him out? Similar to what I was saying with Garantano, he might not win that job, but if he does. Uh, seems to be set up, I think, for some success. So the other polls that we got, uh, I'll lift, list off the other four and then tell you the winner of them. Which P5 transfer quarterback is best prepared to make a major impact at the G5 level? Uh, Tanner Mordecai from uh, going from Oklahoma to SMU won that one by uh, with a 47% of the vote. Grant Cannell uh, going to Memphis, 44% was the runner up there. Which G5 transfer quarterback is best suited to start and excel uh, for his new P5 program? And Mackenzie Milton going to uh, FSU got 50% of the vote. Mm -hmm. uh, Russo and Abraham, 21%. Uh, as the runners up there, which transfer quarterback will have the best statistical season? Uh, Bailey Zappi uh, coming in from Houston Baptist, going to Western Kentucky, got that one by a landslide, 57%. <laughs> uh, Dwan Mathis, 22% going from Georgia to Temple. And then who is the best quarterback currently available in the transfer portal? Uh, Alan Bowman from Texas Tech, 56%. Astro O'Hara, 19% after his down year at Memphis. So, make your take on any of those other polls here. Uh, I, I think that Mordecai is right at SMU. I mean, they're, they've got a lot of firepower coming back, and, and he, uh, you know, seemingly gave Spencer Rattler a, a real run for the job last year. Uh, SMU's had success with a lot of transfers in the past. That seems like a good fit. Mackenzie Milton on paper, absolutely. Uh, you know, really, really hope he can get 100% healthy and, and wonder uh, what, you know, what percentage of, of his ability will be similar to what we saw uh, during his career at UCF. He's He's got, you know, uh, based on, on how well he played in the past, he could be a Heisman Trophy type guy. I mean, you know, right. it, it, but but it's just how how much of that is he going to be able to recapture and, and hope it's close to 100% as possible. 
Bailey Zappi is somebody I'm going to spend a lot of time this offseason. I, I was actually watching a, a little bit of him earlier today. You know, that Houston Baptist offense put up so many yards and, and points this year. They only played four games, but three against FBS competition. Pretty bad defenses in, in North Texas and uh, Texas Tech specifically also played Louisiana Tech. But Zappi put up huge numbers. The, the offensive coordinator uh, is – is uh, going to be the same. Came over to, to Western Kentucky and also his top receiver, uh, Caden Stearns, his younger brother, uh, who led FCS in, in uh, receptions in 2019, is going to be there at, at Western Kentucky as well. So really, really intrigued with that one. That one makes uh, a lot of sense to me. Uh, I was a little surprised that Logan Bonner, who's going following uh, Utah State new head coach uh, Blake Anderson from Arkansas State to Utah State, won't have to compete with Lane Hatcher anymore for that job. I was a little surprised that he didn't get more love, uh, though I know Andrew Presley there you know, had a, a, at least one game where he got a lot of people excited last year at Utah State. But I thought that would be a little bit closer and that, that uh, Bonner would, would be the second guy, but I'm really excited about Zappi. And, and then, you know, there's a couple of good names still out there. Alan Bowman. Uh, could could certainly be a starter. I mean, we've seen him as a, a multi-year starter at a P5 program. Uh, interested to see, is he going to move to another P5 program? Is he going to, uh, you know, take a G5 opportunity? Um, there, you know, Ashro Harrow is one of the most exciting players in college football. Got off to a really slow start this year, but came on strong late. So, you know, a lot of, lot of good players still out there. Austin Kendall was the starter at West Virginia for almost all of 2019 and, and you know, had been an Oklahoma transfer before that. So there, there's going to be, a, uh, you know, multiple guys who haven't quite landed yet that will have an opportunity, I think, to be starters in 2021. And, and uh, you know, going to be interesting to see how it all plays out for sure. Xavier, your thoughts on uh, these quarterbacks moving? Yeah, I, I think – uh, the Tanner Mordecai one makes sense. My personal favorite, and Nick didn't have it on the poll, but I really like Chase Bryce going to App State. I, I just think that this will be a really good fit for him. You know, and I don't see App State dropping off that much, and I think that's why I like him so much. I, I get the question is, which QB is prepared to make the most uh, a major impact? And I, and I don't know if, you know, Chase Bryce will have a major impact. I just don't see App State, because he comes in, I don't see App State dropping off at all because he comes in, and that might be as big of an impact as it possibly can be. You know, this is a team that probably feels they got cheated out of the the, uh, the Sun Belt Championship a little bit, and they, they weren't at the top of the Sun Belt this year for the first time in a while, and they obviously they want to get back there. Can Chase Price get him? I think he can. So I don't know how much of an impact that is, but I think it's, you know, it's a it's big for uh, App State. The McKenzie-Milton selection, obviously I think a lot of people want to see him succeed at FSU. They want him to be the guy who brings FSU back to prominence. I think it would just be a story that writes itself, you know, and, and I think that would be a really – it would just be fun. Let's just, just, just have it outright. It would be fun to watch him take, you know, Florida State back to prominence. Do I think it will happen? I'm not sure, and that's not because of him. He has an offensive line that hasn't been able to block since I've been born. No, I'm kidding. But has not been able to block for at least the last four to five years. And McKenzie Milton is a guy coming off of injury. I don't know how mobile he is. Obviously, we remember the old McKenzie Milton, but is this version of him going to be able to run around the pocket when his offensive line breaks down like it normally does? I'm not so sure, and that's what scares me the most about this, uh, about him transferring to FSU. Nick, who, who's – Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, you know, Bailey Zappi at Western, Carolina, at Western Kentucky, I think is a great fit. Watching them play in the bowl game offensively, they were an explosive team, but the only thing that they were really missing was a quarterback that could throw it down the field. Now that they have that, their running game was really nice. I liked what they saw, what I saw in that bowl game. I like what I saw in the creativity of their running game, a lot of motion in the backfield. And the only thing that they didn't have was a team that was able to stretch the field. You know, they struggled going down the field. That's where most of their interceptions came from in that ball game. You give them a quarterback like Zappi, a guy who put up big numbers against FBS, FBS programs last year. I think he can do it again. And they're going to stretch the field with him. They tried it in the bowl game to no avail, but I think they will with him. I think that will succeed. Go ahead, Scott. So, so Nick, which which quarterback that is transferring has put themselves in the best position, and what FBS team should be going after one of these guys that is left? Uh so you know, I, I think overall the the fit that I like the most, and probably the player I, I so far like the most, and maybe it's just because you know I've only seen a little bit of him, and and the stats that you do see are so eye-popping are, are probably zappy and and the fact that he's going to bring some familiar uh 
you know, familiar play caller. I was just reading in the athletic, uh, Max Olson had a, a story on him, um, mid mid season before they had finished up, uh, that fourth game and, and talked about the relationship there with the offensive coordinator and, and, uh, use the word, uh, telepathy and, and just, you know, kind of like <laughs> be able to read each other's minds. They've worked together for three years already, kind of built this offense together. And there's a lot of trust there. It's going to be interesting to see how that, uh, you know, that, that, can work at, at a place like Houston Baptist. And, and when you're with the same uh, receivers for three years, for the most part, and, and familiar surroundings and, and all of that, how well will that travel to, you know, WKU? And, and when, yeah, quarterback and offensive coordinator and one receiver, but everybody else around you is different. Uh, you know, the quarterback you look to is a leader. It's always a little bit tricky with a guy coming in as a grad transfer one year, you know, especially somebody moving up in level. Uh, how is he going to be perceived in the locker room? So a lot of moving parts there. But I think on paper and just sort of based on the, the little bit that I've seen of, of Zappy play and, and just knowing how that offense is built a little bit, I'm most excited about that. That seems like a, a chance for early success. And, and Conference USA is wide open completely wide open and you know WKU's got a lot of guy a lot of moving parts but uh there's an opportunity to you know to win the conference this year and, and that that's not out of the 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 realm of possibility as for you know who's the best out there and, and maybe a, a perfect fit I'm looking down at the list of, of NFL guys you know guys who've declared for the draft and of course you know uh there's there's a, a, a somebody coming in for sure at Alabama Arkansas seems to be set up. Florida seems to be set up, though maybe they could use a little bit of, of depth there. You know, similar situation at Texas A&M. Uh, Stanford, academics a little bit of an issue. You know, can, can one of these guys go and, and get it done there? Not sure. Ohio State is going to be relying on uh, some young guys. Would a transfer work there? Maybe. Is one of the, the, you know, available guys out there? And Alan Bowman doesn't really seem like a perfect fit. So, you know, not not sure that's really the, the best situation. The one that, that jumps out to me, Zach Smith at Tulsa, former BYU transfer, uh, has has decided to not take advantage of that extra year of eligibility. We'll go into the NFL draft. Not sure if he's going to actually be drafted or not. But, uh, you know, that's a team that had a lot of success this year. Uh, Philip Montgomery, the head coach and play caller, has a, a lot of, you know, a background of success in some high-powered offenses. They've got some weapons. They've been very uh, involved in the transfer portal. So maybe Bowman works at a place like uh, Tulsa. You know, maybe Jason Bean, who is at North Texas, who's, uh, you know, a, a, an accomplished sprinter, uh, brings a, a really, you know, a dynamic running ability. Uh, same for Asher O'Hara, you know. That that's a spot that seems right for somebody like that. Maybe even Terry Wilson still out there, you know, was a, a multi-year starter, won a lot of games at Kentucky. Uh, you know, not sure his passing ability is quite there for what Tulsa probably wants to be, but you know, that that's an opportunity for somebody to come in uh, a team that was in its conference championship game, uh, you know, just this past year and, and has, Though there's competition, you know, guys guys will be coming back. But uh, seems like a spot for a transfer QB to, to come in and have an immediate impact. So maybe Austin Kendall from that neck of the woods, you know, or from, from Texas, I believe, uh, played at Oklahoma. Uh, Alan Bowman, you know, being from Texas, playing at Texas Tech. Those guys make the most sense on paper. But, you know, there's two McCaffrey brothers out there who've got, uh, you know, a, a great skill set. Where are they going to end up? James Blackman's played a lot of football. I know he hasn't uh, had huge success at, at Florida State, but um, has a lot of experience. So there aren't a ton of, of perfect fits uh, out there, but that that Tulsa spot seems like one where, where maybe we'll see one of these guys end up and, and have an opportunity to succeed right away. Xavier, same question for you. Yeah, so personally, there's two guys that I really like their transfer and, and I, where I think they'll maybe bring their – you know, one guy I think is going to give a lot of success to his team in the coming years, maybe not first year, but I think he'll be a guy that works, and that's Ryan Liskey going to North Northwestern. I think last year 
you know, they really struggled offensively. We know how good they were defensively the last year. We all watched them in the Big Ten game hold Ohio State to 22 points, I believe it was. And they, they really did a great job, especially, you know, yes, they gave up 300 yards to Trey Sermons, and that's what everybody will remember. But they hemmed up Justin Fields for the most part. So I really like that from them. So I really like Ryan Haliski going to Northwestern, possibly getting an opportunity to start there. You know, he lost his job at South Carolina. But this was a kid that came in, you know, in his first year as a freshman and, and looks good at times, looked really good at times, you know. And, and I think that he has an opportunity being a four-star, being an Army All-American to come in to Northwestern and compete for that starting job. And he's got three years of eligibility left. And I really think that he can make something happen North Northwestern. The other one is Shy Words going to move. Not necessarily for his quarterbacking ability. He might end up becoming an athlete, and I'm not saying he's too, too at well, but this is a guy who has speed and an ability to play multiple positions. And the perfect place to go to get that maximized is Louisville, who may make him a return man, kickoff or punt. You know, may have him play in the slot a receiver, may have him as, as a running back. They use Tutu Atwell, who's around the same size. So it wouldn't be surprising to me if, you know, we saw Shy Wirtz, you know, out in the formation next year and, and a guy who could definitely boost his draft stock by going there and being used as more than just a quarterback and more of a utility man. Uh, when we look at team, when we look at, you know, what guy I really like and where I would like to see him go, I like Terry Wilson. I like, think this guy is a guy, once again, like Shy Works, who has the athleticism to kind of go anywhere in the country and see what happens. You know, from, from a quarterback situation, I think we all think that he's maybe hit his peak quarterback-wise. You know, we see what he did at, at Kentucky, and I don't think he has any of the arm. The arm talent just isn't there. But – what I will say is this guy is a pure athlete, and I think especially at his size. I mean, this is a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", 210-plus pounds, and it wouldn't be surprising to me if he ended up at a lesser school and ended up playing receiver for them. You know, we saw, you know, to, to coin another guy who did it, we saw it at West Virginia a couple of years ago, you know, where they turned the quarterback into a receiver. You know, Ryan Tannehill's, you know, did the opposite way, but David Seals went from quarterback to wide receiver. So it's not like it's impossible for a quarterback to do that, especially with his size and his ability athletically. I would love to see Terry Wilson transfer somewhere and give himself another shot at the NFL because currently as a quarterback, I don't think he has that shot to go to the NFL. But as a receiver, quite possibly, I think he has the athletic makeup to at least make some noise. The Lynn Bowden route. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm with you on him. Well, that's it for this show. Uh, appreciate uh, you guys uh, stopping in, and it, we we got a lot covered here. Uh, you know, we got um, you know, a lot of uh, OC changes, DC changes, coaching changes, Tennessee and Nebraska a little bit messy right now. Hopefully, they're going to get worked out. Uh, and a lot of QB transfers. And, of course, we will keep you updated on uh, where these guys end up over the course of the offseason. You know, these guys should be landing in spots, we would think, somewhat soon. So hopefully uh, we will have uh, some of those landing spots for you next week. And we'll be talking about RBs on this show next week. But remember, we have a show coming up tomorrow as well. We're going to dive in to the shallow end of the uh uh, of talent the, the talent <laughs> from 2020 with the bottom 10 teams. I mean, look, some of these teams didn't even play. So uh, you know, <laughs> you, you're not going to get uh, a great um, uh, analysis of the entire 2020 for some of these teams because they did not go out there. But um, these are the, the worst ones in our opinion. But look, when you have teams like that, there's nowhere to go but up, right? So... <laughs> Hopefully that, that's that's exactly what we're going to be seeing. Which of these teams can make a significant step and make themselves better in 2021, which should be all of them. You know, they should. Is, is that positive Kansas? enough? Is that a Nick spin? I, Nick, I think I did. Hey, a no, no, that's good. I can't wait to talk about UTEP. I can't wait to talk about Utah State. I'm, I can't I'm, wait to talk about Kansas. I Yay. am really excited for for tomorrow, and, and we'll get. You know, I, I we're we're now into uh, post one hour. We're going to have to to get that cut Tighten down next time. We are we are, and and we'll get the the uh, we'll get the format uh, finally tuned as we you know get used to the the two shows. It might take a, a week or two, but hopefully we'll get there quickly. But one last piece of trivia, and we'll go. Uh, you brought up Shy Words. Did you know Shy Wirtz has started more games at quarterback than any player uh, who will be on an FBS roster next year? Uh, but, of course, probably not going to play quarterback, so that leaves uh, uh, Charlie Brewer, 
going to Houston, or not Houston, Utah, as the, the most experienced quarterback. Jake Bentley, I don't think we mentioned his name, but started you know 30-plus games at uh, South Carolina and then a few at, at Utah, uh, going to be at South Alabama next year. So a lot of experienced quarterbacks in new new places, and, and the three most experienced, according to my early math, uh, will be at, at new programs in 2021. Crazy, crazy that those guys start all those games and then transfer. But uh, such is the world in 2021. So uh, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Remember, you can follow us all on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for me, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, and at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. We will see you guys tomorrow. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.